0: to me, every single person on this planet is an influencer. It's just whether or not they decide to use their influence. Everyone's it factor is their voice. Everyone has it factor. Again, it's whether or not you decide to use it. The way you choose to use your voice is in turn what shapes your influence.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-O'Kome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here, and today in the guest chair, I have Maddie James. Now, I can't believe that I have not had Maddie on the show yet because she also has been an influential part of my journey. When I was starting out in 2015, she was another person that I looked to to figure out the blogging landscape, how do I make money blogging, how do I work with brands, all that good stuff. So Maddie is a full-time content creator and the influencer behind maddiejames.com. She creates lifestyle content for her blog, podcast, and YouTube channel while working with brands like Samsung, TJ Maxx, and J.Crew. After being crowned Miss Liberia USA in 2009, Maddie started her blog as a hobby, like most of us, And she's grown it into the business it is today. She's taught over 1,000 bloggers and entrepreneurs, including me, the business of blogging with her online courses and masterclasses. Maddie currently resides in Atlanta with her husband, Christopher, and their three children. And in this episode, I really love what Maddie had to share about positioning yourself to make money from your blog, what a content creator really is, what an influencer really is and how to truly set yourself up for recurring revenue. So we're going to get into all of that, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. We touch on it a bit in this episode, but one of the most nerve-wracking parts of being a business owner is hiring. I know for me, I'm getting ready to hire a new member to my team, and I keep thinking, Man, I hope I can find someone that's just as good as the person who is moving on. Thankfully, while the hiring process itself used to be hard with multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, nowadays hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com hustle. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 leading online job sites. And with their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter then scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter out candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com hustle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash H-U-S-T-L-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Hustle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I've been following you for some time, like a long time. And I know you started your blog as a hobby, as Mm -hmm. most of us do. So what prompted you to start it back then? What was that, 2009?
0: Yes. So, yeah, I mean, that was really the early days. Um, I got quote unquote serious about it like 2010 2011 but I was still on Blogspot in 2009 Um, if anybody remembers that those are those OG (laughs) yep OG blogging days and um, I got serious about it and bought my own domain in 2010 and yeah I really had just been enamored by the blogging world probably since like late 2005 2006 you know in that era to me entertainment blogging was a huge thing and And I just loved it because I love pop culture. I love celebrity news. That kind of thing interests me and fascinates me. And so when I learned how people do it, I thought like I could do it myself. What I realized very quickly is that I don't have the capacity to be a celebrity news blogger and essentially just started talking about myself and what, you know, what kind of products I like, especially when it comes to style and beauty. And that's really how I got my start. Hmm.
1: And that's interesting that you talk about that shift, because I, too, experienced that starting to blog about one thing and realizing, you know what, that just isn't my jam and (laughs) pivoting to what actually feels right. Now, I know you were blogging for a bit when you experienced an unexpected layoff. Can you walk us through how that experience changed your approach to blogging?
0: Oh yeah. So funny enough when I started blogging in 2010, you know, 2009-2010, I had just gotten married, so I was a newlywed and I just ended a an internship I was interning for a radio station and then transitioned that into an internship with brown Foreman, who are the makers of Jack Daniel's and that was really great and my husband was really supportive. He was like, uh, "What you know? What what do you want to do? Do you know?" Uh, he knew I was blogging, so he's like, "Do you want to see if this blogging thing takes off?" And it was just us. We didn't have kids yet, so. you know, I was like, you know what, let's see if this blog thing, I don't know. I just thought overnight I would just be a success because I was so (laughs) enthusiastic about it. And it's like, yeah, sis, that's not how it works. And, um, yeah, about, I would say about six months into it, I was like, "Mm," you know, I had a, I had a talk with a friend at the time and she was like, Listen, I get it that your husband is supportive of your of your dreams, but you've got to take care of home. Like, you know, he works and you guys are okay, but you need to contribute as well. And she's like, it doesn't mean you have to stop blogging, but you should probably be doing something else in the meantime until your blog does take off. And I thought that was just such a really great and honest conversation for her to have with me as a friend. And so I went ahead and I found a job and uh yeah, I found a job in, what was it, like 2011? Yeah, it was like, yeah, right at the top of 2011 and um, end of 2010. And I became the showroom manager for a home decor company. And I ran their two Atlanta showrooms here. And my boss was based in New York. So I really didn't have somebody just like looking over my shoulder, you know, 24 seven. So that did give me the flexibility to blog on a lunch break or if I wasn't busy fulfilling orders, I was able to still handle emails, pitch and do those types of things. So, you know, I think I think God really looked out because it really was the perfect and ideal situation to to be in when it comes to, you know, wanting to blog full time, but needing to, you know, earn money from a traditional, quote unquote, nine to five at the time.
1: And so at what point did you start to get more serious about the blog itself?
0: you know what, I, th- I got to be honest. I think I was always serious about the blog. I think that it was always something, you know, that I knew was going to become my business. I knew that was going to become my bread and butter. I knew that was going to be the thing that, you know, uh, as my my husband jokes around and says, make me famous or make me known. <laughs> um, you know, I I think I was always serious about it. And I went in really, really honest and candid with my boss, when even for the interview for my nine-to-five and I let him know that I have a blog and so I'm gonna need you know times off if I have to go to events Um, I was very candid and I understand that not everybody has that flexibility but I was really really fortunate where he was really receptive to it he was like wow that's awesome that's cool and yeah so I was really really blessed like I said this this couldn't have been more like tailored for me at all mm-hmm. and so yeah but I was always serious and, and I knew that I was because I went into a job interview telling my potential yes. boss being like hey just FYI I <laughs> blog so you guys are number two I respect it but um, yeah so I was always really serious about it I just always knew it could become bigger than you know just like being cute on you know my blog or on social media That's I right. knew that essentially it could be a business. I I just really, really believed really, really early on, which I think was important because I was really not that good at it in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: know, it's so funny. I could totally relate to that. Like when I interviewed for my job um, at that time, I was also kind of doing it as a personal branding portfolio building move, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it was on my resume. It was like, you know, something we talked about in the interview and it was all I was always very forthcoming about what I was doing. And I took it seriously, too, because I I felt like I needed to build my personal brand. But also, you're right. I had that somewhere in me. I knew that this was going to be bigger, but I didn't know how or what or how exactly
0: that would look. Right. And don't you think like, do you think that like it's essentially your work situation kind of even if they weren't sure what that meant, they kind of respected it, too, because of that attitude? Because I kind of felt that way, too. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't it wasn't something that I was trying to hide and it wasn't something that I treated like a hobby. So I think inevitably you kind of set the tone for them to respect it, too.
1: I never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. And I think it does show a certain level of transparency and like you know this girl is going to show exactly what she has on the table she's showing us her cards and you know can we do we think this is an asset and yes it is okay so let's move forward absolutely so i transitioned from blogging to podcasting and so i relate to your journey as well because we have to as we're going on this path figure out what this looks like as a revenue stream, as a true business moving forward. Like, this is not for (laughs) play-play. Okay. We have families to support, especially you. Right, right. So, at what stage did you realize you could make this a full-time career? Like, you were ready to make this a full-time career and not look back?
0: You know, I think I always tell people I... This January made it 10 years that I've been blogging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, I blogged for about three years before I saw any actual like Coin that could contribute to any bill, you know, like I'm talking about even like pay, you know, utilities. Mm-hmm. Everything was really, you know, a couple of hundred dollars here and there. But to me, I started making like four figures uh, around that like 2013, 2014 mark, which was great because, you know, things started shifting with uh, my employer at the time and the person who was my boss was no longer with the company and eventually I was laid off. So that was the first time. For me as a blogger, where I was like, oh my gosh, like I've actually pulled off an annual income from partnerships and like it's a real thing. Like this isn't fake. This isn't me hoping. This isn't me being delusional. Right. Real deal. So it took me about three years to really get to that point.
1: What was the shift in those three years? Did you start to post more frequently? Did your photos change? Did your website or team change? You know, what was that shift that led you to have consistent um, brand partnerships at the four figure level?
0: You know, I think it was um, all of the above. I think I had really shifted the people who were around me. I, I'm somebody who is always really good with having people around her. I'm an extrovert, so and and I think I have the ability to get people excited about what I'm excited about. So I was always able to have people around me, and and you know whether they I consider them an intern, an assistant, or whatever. But I do think in those three years, like you know, some shifts happen, and I finally had people around me who were better um, at what I asked them to do. Than I was. And, you know, they weren't just a yes person anymore. They were somebody who would definitely give their feedback, like, I think this could be better. Or what if we tried this? And they really brought ideas to the table. And um, my like executive and business assistant now, uh, who was back then in 2014, she's still with me. Um, she's been with me the longest and she handles, you know, a lot of my correspondence. But in the beginning, she was my social media manager. And I was like, hey, I have this kind of budget, you know, I was really just paying her out of my nine to five check. And I was like, you know, is this something you would be open to? Um, and she she also had a, a, a day gig. And so she was like, yeah, you know, I, I have a couple of hours, you know, each day throughout the week to do it for you. So um, that's really how I started growing that. And she was noticeably better at social media than I was. Like, I think I naturally have, you know, I'm a communicator. So social media naturally comes pretty easy to me. But she was really strategic. She really, did research on the latest trends in software you should be using the schedule and stuff and that she was really the first decision that i had made very strategically as far as a person versus like having her as uh as part of my team to help me grow versus just having people around me to say i have people around me and then i think that i really just I mean, I just went in head first about studying content creation and got really, really crazy consistent. I mean, I I, I was out. I was really beasting it. I, I really feel like at the time, you know, I, I was really at the top of my game. I mean, I feel like, as the girls say, you know, my foot was on everyone's neck. I really <laughs> wanted it. <laughs> you know, I really wanted it more yes. than anybody else. And yes. I kind of feel like this resurgence, you know, um, of that, uh, you know, because, you know, you do something for so long, long, it's easy to get comfortable. But I do feel like that kind of energy is coming back. Like if you really, really want something, it doesn't matter what the trend is. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you say you're going to go get it and you're willing to do the work, uh, which I was, you know, I was really unstoppable, to be honest. And so I think the growth and the success was inevitable. But I like I said, I I just had tunnel vision. I really wasn't paying attention to comparing myself to anybody else, um, which is also easy to do online. Yeah, so, so important. Yeah, I just got crazy consistent and and just, uh, you know, found a team member who was really strategic and really was excited to Um, help me reach certain goals without wanting to be me or without wanting to have what I necessarily have. And I think that's also really important, too, when you're building a team. Oh, yes. So that's a whole separate topic.
1: (laughs) 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 We'll come back to that (laughs) if we have time. (laughs) But, um, you know, nowadays, I think that people are used to hearing things like the word influencer or content creator but there isn't necessarily always a good understanding of what it entails or also the respect that it deserves and you know i'm big on trying to help people see that this online world is it's happening it's real and it's important like i literally a lot of the purchasing decisions i make these days are based on influencer recommendations influencers i trust right like when it came to things like Deciding on things for my baby, you know, like I'm, Absolutely. I'm watching YouTube reviews every single night. Oh my god! So, all day, all day. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit more in your words. You know, what is a content creator to you? What is an influencer to you? What does this work mean to you?
0: Yeah, um, being an influencer is so important to me. And I'm so glad you asked that question because that's something I really came to terms with. You know, I, I do feel like I am intentionally about to make this pivot where I do focus really heavily on video. I think I've definitely been heavily focused this first 10 years of my career on, you know, my blog and text posts and social media and so you know I was kind of thinking about it because I was like oh do I want to start like a product business or this and that and I just love creating content and I think you can still be incredibly entrepreneurial really successful and be a content creator without, you know, having burnout and really enjoy that. And we don't have to make an excuse for it. And I'm one of those people. I think I'm a prime example that you can do that successfully, still have a family and, and, you know, live the life that you want to live. For me, a content creator and influencer are different. Uh, I do think you can be both. I would consider me that. Content creator is somebody who creates content for, you know, certain channels and does that well and, and can do that for a brand or do that for other people. So, you know, you could be solely a video content creator where you know how to edit, you know, how to create thumbnails and stuff like that. So you're a YouTube content creator, or you could be a, you know, audio content creator. You could be a social media content creator um, where, and the thing is, I love it because it is such this like fluid title, right? So you can, you might not know how to edit on Final Cut Pro, but you know how to really chop up an awesome TikTok video. So content creator to me is very fluid. You don't have to have a bunch of followers to be a successful content creator creator but you can be paid very very well for it by doing it for a corporate brand or even doing it for influencers um, you know doing it for certain occasions like Essence Fest or anything like that so to me that is what a content creator is an influencer uh, is I guess in the 2020 definition is typically a content creator who uses their voice uh, specifically to impact their audience in a specific niche. You know, that might be lifestyle, that might be motherhood, that might be makeup. um, It might be pop culture. Um, But an influencer is somebody who is very, very, um, you know, they have the DNA of an influencer. I always, every influencer is decisive noticeable and an authority in some sense. So whether you're the authority on thrifting or you're the authority on newborn baby products, as long as you are an authority in the thing you like or the thing that your audience wants to hear from you, you are an influencer and you have a noticeable audience, right? So, you know, and to me, I don't feel like you need to have a, a million followers to be an influencer. I think even having a couple of thousand followers, but these followers are very, very loyal to you. They hang on, you know, whatever word or post you put out there about the the thing that you use your voice to influence with. And to me, that is an influencer. I think nowadays being a content creator and an influencer collectively is really, really important. Um, you know, we're, we're really getting into this point where I'm, I'm officially off of maternity leave- now. Next week, and you know, I I just created this audio training where I talk about the five different types of influencers because I think people think it's very, very one dimensional. It's not, you know, you can very much be a thought influencer where you're this influencer who knows um, how to express what they think about pop culture in general, right? Whether it's politics, it's music, it's sports. You know, somebody like Stephen A. Smith is an influencer, but very much a different influencer than Oprah. To me, Oprah is is a thought influencer, but I think she started out very much so, you know, well has, you know, is eventually evolved into the Oprah we know now, which is the lifestyle influencer, you know, the creme de la creme, you know, how she lives her life um, and how she operates is essentially how we, we, we know and love her. And that's how she influences. I also think, There's things like a performance influencer. Somebody like LeBron James is influential simply because he performs the best at what he does, which is play basketball. So, being an influencer, as you can see, is different than being a content creator. You can absolutely do both. I am an example of that. But somebody like LeBron James is not a content creator, but very much so an influencer because he's the best at basketball.
1: Yes. I love how you broke that all down. Thank you. And it just also makes me realize that. All of this, it's like, you know, it's such a big responsibility and you hope that people will use it for good and not for evil. Right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: right, Because right. it, right? it is power. Right. Influencer power.
1: is power. Influencers power. And but it's also very helpful. One for these brands, like they could never in a million years. For example, if I take a baby product, a brand mm-hmm. could never in a million years just get up there and make a commercial about their stroller and me care however right, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. if i see you talking about this going out about your day talking about how easy it was to put it in your car and how light it was i'm like hmm, i'm taking notice now i'm going to Absolutely. look look this product up right because it just feels real and human to me this is a an, an actual human who i've seeing her go through her pregnancy journey and now she's telling me how it's helping
0: her. Oh, absolutely. And that's why to me, you know, and and like I said, that this is something that I'm really going to be expounding on this year. That's why we really have to pay attention to the DNA of influence. You know, like I said, you got to be, decisive. you got to be noticeable and you have to be an authority, but that is why you pay attention to me or whoever your, you know, your your go-to trusted influencers are, right? Right. I, I think, you know, we throw around, you know, buzzwords all the time, right? Like brand and, you know, business. And influence yes. all of these things, you know. But for me, it's really about understanding. To me, the the best influencers understand why they're influential and why their um influence impacts their audience. You know what I mean? You, we, a brand is a story. So your personal brand is a story. But essentially, even if a brand isn't personal, it's a story, right? So every company, for the most part, every, every successful company has a brand. That's the story they're telling. But a business provides a solution. So. Not every single brand is a business, but most successful businesses have a brand. So for me, I feel like if you're a really good influencer, you might not necessarily have a business, but you absolutely understand your story, AKA your brand. To me, every single person on this planet is an influencer. It's just whether or not they decide to use their influence. Everyone's it factor is their voice everyone has it factor. Again, it's whether or not you decide to use it. Your it factor is your voice. So if me and you grew up the same way, we went to, we had, we were born in the same hospital. We were born in the same neighborhood. We went to the same school. We ended up going to the same college, got the same job and ended up becoming influencers at the same time. The reason it would be very different. Our it factor is different. Our voice is different. And I think what we have to realize is the way you choose to use your voice is in turn what shapes your influence. So at the end of the day with your DNA, it's not just having like this really cute, you know, acronym, which I love to have, but essentially your DNA is deciding how to use your voice, making your story noticeable. And then figuring out what you're an authority about so you can make a very, very clear impact on your audience. If you don't do those three things, then your influence will really just kind of stay at square one. But everybody has influence. Again, it's just whether or not you choose to use it. And then you can go a step further, whether you choose to use it for evil or for good. And I think one of the trickiest parts
1: and one of the hardest barriers for people to overcome is that story piece, that story piece of, you know, You might know what your it factor is, but how do you tell that story? And how do you do it consistently over and over again? You you know, you feel redundant. So do you have any tips for people who are not naturally or don't consider them natural storytellers?
0: Yeah, you know, and that's why to me I always say, you know, everybody's like, Oh, well, how do I tell my story? The goal is to make the story noticeable. Usually the way you make a story noticeable is by figuring out what part of your story is the most human, right? Because at the end of the day, that's all we want to do. We just want to connect with people who have experienced similar situations, who have felt the way we have felt. At the end of the day, that's why stories still rule the world. You know, Whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, whether it's a song, we all connect with stories. So your goal is to make it noticeable. To me, the the easiest way to make a story noticeable is to pull out the humanity of it. So I think when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to even be funny, um, you know, or even to be dramatic, it's whatever part of your story, you know how to, you know, use your voice to make it noticeable, I think is the most impactful. So, you know, if you growing up, you know, maybe maybe you're at this point where you're trying to start your business, right? And you're selling snacks. But the reason why snacks were so important to you because of, you know, how much snacks meant to you when you were in middle school and you got that extra dollar from doing your chores to buy snacks at school, that right there is going to connect people because, you know, a lot of Most of us went to middle school. Right. And, you know, if if some of us had a school store that right there is connecting us like, man, I remember the school store and all of that. And so in turn now we're connecting with you as a person. Right. Because the reason why you want to make it noticeable via humanity is because people buy from people. They don't buy from companies. They don't buy from, yeah. So at the end of the day, to me, the way you make something the most noticeable is by pulling out the humanity of it. What is the common ground with your audience? Who are you speaking to? And also being clear on what you're trying to do with your story, right? Are you trying to make them laugh? Are you trying to inspire them? Um, Are you trying to um, get them to understand something, right? And so that is what you need to get them to notice, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And so for all of us, that's different. You know, that is why. Me and you could go through the same exact path with life, but we may be trying to get our audience to see something different at the end of our story. But yeah, I think it's about connecting. I think it's about paying close attention to the questions people ask you, because I think what people ask you or what people seem to be drawn to you for will tell you how you need to shape your story. It doesn't mean you need to make something up with your story. (laughs) Right. It just just means you need to mold it in a different way. You know, you might have not thought that you were a funny person, right? You know, you might have been like, you know, I'm trying to tell, you know, people about my journey, you know, with having children and, you know, being postpartum and overcoming depression, but maybe you do it in a way that's lighthearted and makes people laugh. So maybe you can shape it in a way where it makes people laugh and connects them and makes them feel more comfortable through humor to also then share their stories or to listen to your story about how you overcame it.
1: Now, can you remember the very first brand that you
0: ever worked with? How did that partnership come about? Did you pitch them? Did they approach you? They pitched me, it was American Express for their prepaid card. They paid me $250 (laughs) on on, on the prepaid card and they gave me two tickets to see Earth, Wind and Fire.
1: Oh, okay. How Very unique. So all of these brand partnerships, and I know because I I get approached for things, but I would consider myself an accidental influencer, Maddie. Like I was just (laughs) focused on my podcast sponsorships. I was not trying to do any Instagram posts. I didn't know where to begin with that. I still don't know where to begin. <laughs> so I'm going to be a case study today. You're going to help me out. <laughs> I'm ready. So how did you know what to accept from American Express? Like did you set that rate or was that just the beginning of you saying, "Hey, um I'm filling this out. I'm
0: going to learn the process and worry about the the, the fees later." absolutely the latter. I mean, in the beginning when someone pays you for the first time, you're not trying to get them upset or ruffle any feathers. So you're like 250 it is and I will take these tickets. <laughs> yes. And I was just so happy, you know. Again, I you know, I didn't grow up seeing bloggers, you know, I grew up seeing traditional celebrities and stuff like that, get million dollar deals. So I, I didn't even think that little old me quote unquote would be able to get money because I simply started a blog online. You know, I just didn't, I didn't really like I knew, but I didn't really know, you know? Right. So in the beginning I was just happy. I was like, perfect. They, I did not negotiate. I did not present them with a number. They presented it to me. I took the first offer and I kept it cute and moving. Very, very different how I handled. Partnerships nowadays, but um, but yeah, it was just exciting that someone they wanted came. to pay me for being myself. Yeah. yeah, I was just like cool. You know, me and my husband had a free date night because of Nancy
1: Express. <laughs> and like, how many partnerships later did you shift into? Okay, I need to set my price. I need to figure out my rate. And how did you do that?
0: Um, I think it was 2013 when I did the 24-hour runway show, which is presented by Cotton. And they came to me, it was, a, you know, they hit me with like a 39 page deck. I was like, (laughs) I I was like, oh, you know, they flew me out to New York, you know, for an immersion event, which is an immersion event is uh, just an event like a brand will fly you out. The influencers who are part of the the campaign and, and just immerse you into what's going on here. Right. So, um they flew me to new york did that and then it was like 5 months of content creation and then um, the 24 hour runway show which was in miami and then they flew me down for that as well and that was like the first really really huge brand deal where i was like okay and it was like it was like the first time where i was like there's a comma in the uh, mm-hmm. the price point, so yeah, it was a pretty. That was the first time, and be, I think also too because when I got there, the other some of the other influencers there had managers and agents, Ooh. and so I was like, if I'm in a place where people have agents and stuff like that, it's time for me to up the price. Right. And I thought I did. I thought I did a really good job. Like I didn't regret anything. You know, like I the, I think the price point that I gave them because I still don't have you know a traditional like manager or agent or anything like that. I just, you know, was like, OK, you know, for this amount of work, I'm I'm going to ask for this much. And they said, OK. And I was like, all, all right.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned that other people have agents. And I know that there's this conversation of people saying we need to talk more, we need to share our rates to make sure that no one is lowballing and setting right. the, you know, the, the price too low. But how do you know if you're being paid a fair rate or if you're setting your prices at a good place?
0: You know what I have? Um, I have several off the record conversations with other influencers where I share, you know, I think that I, I, I hope that I, I have this approachability with the the influencers that I'm, you know, friendly with where, you know, they can ask me questions and I'm honestly usually pretty transparent, you know. Typically for me, though, internally, how I know if I'm too low is if the brand says yes too quick. Mm-hmm. If a brand comes back and says, hey, we need to kind of look at our budget, then I ask them for the right amount. Um, I'm currently, uh, you know, for the sake of transparency, like I <laughs> just asked a brand for, I mean, a grip, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. hey, I need $50,000, you know, and yeah. I broke it down, you know, and they're like, Mm, we don't know if we have 50 in the budget Um, and to be honest if I'm being really frank I really want like you know, but the real goal is like probably like $11,000 less than that. But I was like, let me ask for 50. And then if you come back with 38, then we're good. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is not just for a post to be clear. Like this is for months of work. Let's be very clear. This is for months, you know, it's like for half a year. So let's be very clear. You know, it's not, it's definitely not for one Instagram post or even a blog post. So let's be very clear. It's a, it, what I like to call a midterm, mid mid to long-term partnership. So for me, if I'm not slightly uncomfortable to ask you for it, it mm-hmm. usually is a large enough number. If I'm comfortable, if I'm like, oh, I would like 4500 and you say yes, I probably could have gotten like $6,500. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. Um, yeah. So it's usually that. And, you know, my my assistant usually helps me and, cor- you know, corresponds for pricing and stuff like that. And so typically if we get the yes too quick, she's like, damn it. We could have asked for seventy five hundred, you know, you know, and things like that. But I think it's it's just a learning curve, and then also like clearly, not all of my brand partnerships are going to be for thirty eight forty thousand dollars, you know. Let's be clear, you know. Um, So, you know, I might do the same scope of work, right? I think this is the other thing we need to start being transparent about, and 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 this is what you know what I'm teaching and sharing in my my master classes and webinars, Mm -hmm. but. You no, know, I might do the same scope of work for a brand at twenty five hundred dollars, and for another brand, I did it for like fifty five hundred dollars. It depends on you know, one, how much I want to be affiliated with the brand, how much free product they're giving me, the relationship I have right. with them. It be,
1: if it's the beginning of a relationship, that you know, future things could come out of it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I I think we need to be you know understand like, hey, not everything, girl, is going to be five, six, seven thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Right. It, this might like 2,500 in this instance for the next instance, it might be 5,500 for another instance. It might even be $2,000. Right. And I think it's up to you internally, you know, wh- whether you work by yourself or you you work with the team, whether you're, you, you set your own standard, you know, um, where you're like, you know what, I really like them. Um, hopefully this can become like something where it's a long-term relationship. So let's go ahead and do it for this rate, you know? Um, and that's something I've had to learn too. You know, I've, I've, I've done some really silly things where I've done stuff for super, super low, where it's like, mm, I did too much work for very, very little money. And I have gotten kind of, you know, egotistical and kind of been like, well, no, I'm not going to do it for that much money. And it's like, <laughs> girl, you you just said no to $15,000. Take a deep <laughs> breath. You know, like, take a deep breath. Relax. Relax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, guys, it's Mikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. The online learning community is offering Side Hustle Pro listeners two months of free premium membership. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. My number one side hustle advice is to always be a lifelong learner. That means continue learning new ways to grow your business each and every week. For me, that comes through Skillshare. There's so many awesome classes on Skillshare on topics like email marketing, Instagram hacks, setting up your own website, copywriting, and much more. What I like to focus on are classes to fine tune my skills. Most of the classes are under 60 minutes with short lessons to fit any schedule. And I tend to listen to classes on 2x speed because I want to get as many in as possible. I recently took a Skillshare class called Copywriting Tips from Beginner to Advanced and found it so valuable because I'm in a zone right now where I'm laser focused on the copywriting in my Facebook ads, which I know some of you guys are seeing and Skillshare has been very helpful with that, whatever you are business needs though, you can find a class for it on Skillshare. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com Hustle SideHustlePro, where you'll get two free months of premium membership. That's two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash SideHustlePro. If you listen to my episode on how to make money podcasting, then you know that I pitched my very first sponsor six months after launching this show. And you know what else I did once I landed the contract? I invoiced them using Freshbooks. Freshbooks made it so simple. That's because Freshbooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you organized. Freshbooks lets you create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Plus, you can file expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn how to do accounting. Try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to FreshBooks.com sidehustlepro Side Hustle Pro and enter Side Hustle Pro in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash side hustle pro and tell them Side Hustle Pro sent you So you touched on your masterclass, so I want to know more about this. Um, you know, for up-and-coming bloggers, online marketers, influencers, what is it
0: that you teach and what can people learn from you? So a lot of people are familiar with my course Pitch Please which I'm going to be launching only two times this year. I really really love it because I think a lot of people who are influencers or want to be influencers on this like, you know, very serious side hustle or like full-time level don't really know the ins and outs of that and it's it really was a course for me to be transparent about numbers, how to price, how to ask brands for money, you know, but Pitch Please is simply just pitching. I think before that, of course, though, people have to learn how to even position themselves as an influencer and content creator for brands to even work with them you know and so i will be focusing a lot on that too because if i teach you how to pitch but you don't have content worth pitching then this is null and void you know and i don't want anybody Mm to feel like oh she told me this but it didn't work and it's like well it didn't work because you didn't have the tools you know what i mean like i can't tell you how to like remove a screw but you don't have a screwdriver. So for me, really working on that. But then I think we're gonna go a step further this year, which I'm really excited about and really offering um, an accelerator for people who are very serious, like I was, about becoming an influencer at a full-time level and really teaching them how to run an influencer business. Because I also think that's a huge void because knowing how to pitch and knowing how to run a business are very different things. You know, I can teach you how to pitch and you know how to ask for money here and there, but how to make that a recurring stream of income is a little bit different. It does get a little bit more intensive.
1: Oh, yes. And we're going to get into that in a bit. And I know exactly what you mean for someone. So I teach my podcast moguls about um, everything from starting out, launching, getting your podcast out there, but then positioning yourself for monetization comes Mm -hmm. before the actual pitch module and lesson, because you can't pitch a brand and entice them if they go back to your page or your podcast and, you know, it's not a fit or it's just not uh, visually appealing or any of those things, Right. right? What would be your advice to new bloggers, just like some general tips right now of how they can position themselves to work with brands? What's the groundwork?
0: Well, I think what we have to do first and foremost, right. Cause I think everyone who's familiar with me, or if you're just now becoming familiar with me because of this awesome podcast, I will sing it into the ground. It is a hill I will die on. You've got to be consistent. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's no substitute to consistency. Right. But I think I, I do want to make sure that I'm being very transparent about your consistency too. Right. Like you know, the, being consistent is really important because the more you do something, you'll inevitably get better at it. But then you also want to make sure you're studying how to create better content as well. You know, so in the beginning, you might just have your cell phone, you know, you might just have your smartphone that you know how to create content with. Right. And that's fine. But then let's like look into how to shoot really great iPhone photos. If that is your ministry, you know, then hopefully you'll, you know, get a couple partnerships, save up for a big, you know, camera and get your, you know, a a, a professional camera and then be able to create content with something like that. But I think studying content creation, really creating a process for your content creation is really important as well. I think a lot of people who are very new to the content creation and influencer scene think that people are just creating in real time, which couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's right.
0: uh, not how it happens um i have i have a whole husband and three children so that's absolutely not what's happening um so just studying that um whether it's editing pictures how to write really great captions you know writing good blog posts editing videos writing great description box um You know, content as well. If you're doing YouTube, you know, same thing like, you know, with your podcast, what's the SEO like? You know, studying those things is really, really important as well. It's not just about posting, it's also about promoting as well. So I think, like, in the beginning, you just really have to learn how to create content, then get better at it by being consistent. I think those are the two things you need to focus on in the very, very beginning. Then we can start getting into strategy and stuff like that. But if you don't know how to do the what on a regular basis, then it's, it doesn't matter what I tell you. I can tell you all the secrets, but you don't have the what.
1: And I remember you posted something on your Instagram story. I forgot to take a screenshot, but you were talking about, you know, and, and this is now shifting into the whole what to charge and pricing advice. Um, so you posted something like if you have 10,000 followers, you could like you could think about pricing as 10 percent of your followers or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Yes. So, for example, like let's put me in the case study seat, right? Mm-hmm. Like what should Nikayla be charging at now 75,000 Instagram followers? Of course, you know, actual engagement and impressions will be less mm-hmm. than that as Instagram does what it right. does and hates, <laughs> you know, is there a ballpark that I should be looking at? Yeah,
0: I I would say for me, I, I'm like the, I always say I'm like the six to 10% girl. I think you could Honestly, for one off uh, Instagram post, you could you could ask for, you know, whatever the six percent of that is. But let's just say it's like around five thousand. You could ask for five thousand dollars. Doesn't mean necessarily mean you'll get it, but you could ask for that. Right. And at least like even if they come up and they're like, hey, we have thirty five hundred still not not right. a bad situation for one post. But to me, I always tell people to package, you know, the a la carte thing, you know, you'll be out here doing seventy eight. Hundred, you know, yes, partnerships yes. to like make ends meet, you know what I mean? Or yes. to make the kind of money you, you dream of making. So right. for me, with you, I would do like, you know, maybe like two Instagram and feed posts and maybe, you know, three to five frames for Instagram stories. And I would offer that for 7,500 since you have 75,000. Um, and yeah. most people will, will will take that, you know what I mean? Um, and this is, of course, pending things like exclusivity and licensing and whitelisting and stuff like that, which is also things that people need to consider as well. And I dive really deep in, you know, when it comes to pitch, please. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand agreements. Um, right. And, and they don't understand agreements. And they don't even understand all the things that they could be leveraging. Um, And especially as a black creator, I think that like, you know, for you at 75,000, you could really be charging the same thing that your white counterpart is charging at 250, 300,000, just because most of the brands that are trying to work with you or that you really want to work with, don't know how to talk to your audience. And I stand Mm -hmm. by that statement 100%. um, And they usually don't have any decision makers that look like you, like you either. So if you want to talk to the black millennial woman who listens to my podcast. Then I'm definitely gonna charge you for that.
1: I love that you shared all of that. Thank you because, um you know, I think the working with brand space when you're a podcaster is different than um when you are a content creator um for social media and that's your main platform so with podcasting, it's been great because there's there's a framework in terms of you know there's a download metric and you know what brands will charge per monthly downloads and average monthly downloads and all of that. And from there, you can run with it. You know, I, I, I for one, don't just stick to that. Oh, this is what you deserve thing. I, you know, add tax to that, right? Mm -hmm. But with the space of social media with everyone having different ranges and all of that that can be a little trickier but it is a space that i plan to do
0: more with in the future oh, yeah, so i encourage really you thank to. you for sharing yeah, that there's yeah. so many like great opportunities and i feel like a, you know a lot of us right are li- leaving good money on the table just because we're like, mm-hmm. you know, I think we start to overthink it, which is so easy to do. We're like, oh, well, yeah. they probably think that I need this, this and that. And again, like you said, like you're not buying the stroller for your baby because of a a, a commercial that you saw on NBC or on television. You're usually right. buying it because of the girl who lives in Springfield, Ohio, who decided to yes. do a YouTube video <laughs> to really break down how she put it in her minivan.
1: Exactly. That's why they paid the right. or sent it to her right. for free
0: because, you know, like I've yes. I worked with, um, ask how many people
1: I've DM'd about strollers, like oh my gosh, yeah. they'll come
0: and tell you. Yeah. The <laughs> one time he's not, like, my, my husband looked at me, he's like, you cannot buy another stroller. You just can't, like, you just, you can't do it. You know, he's like, one, you don't need to, because every time we have a kid, company send yeah. a stroller so you don't have right. to you know Um, but yeah I, but I get it you know what I mean like knowing the best product and, and getting something from someone that you trust it just feels different you know what I mean like right. you know you're going to buy your stroller you're having a baby so you yeah. know, having a stroller isn't the issue it's like not only do you want to have the right one but you know getting the right one from somebody you trust just means a little bit more again because you uh-huh. are now a- essentially connected to that person's story and now you can pass that on and keep essentially that influence legacy going so now you mentioned that
1: you are getting ready to launch a more in-depth course or information regarding how you can actually make this a business and you're right that one-offs they're nice but they're that's not a business model you know and you and i in our line of work we both have to sit down and be strategic about okay how am i making money this year what can i expect because we we just You can't live your life blindfolded and every month wondering, how much will I make this month? (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. It's not fun. It's not fun. So, you know, give us a sneak peek and and let people know what you'll be teaching as far as how do you guarantee uh, recurring revenue? How do you project month over month what you'll be making and then
0: ensure that you actually get that from the people who owe you money? Right, right. It's just, it's a process, man. You know, and I think a lot of, again, I think a lot of people go into it thinking like, I just have to look cute for the gram every day. And it's like, it is so much more than that. Trust me, if I was only beating my face and getting dressed that this would be a cakewalk. I think first and foremost, for me, it is really making sure that I am teaching influencers how to position themselves to even pitch a brand, you know, again, I can tell you like how to go find a brand contact, how to price yourself, how much you should be asking for and stuff like that. But again, if you don't have the content worth asking for the money, then Mm -hmm. it's like, in, I've really, I've really sold you short. So for me, really starting from a high level, um, really working on, you know, community aspect for that, you know, also too, because we don't work in a typical nine to five. I don't, I'm not at a cubicle where I can like lean over and ask Sheila, you know, how did, how did her campaign go with this brand? Because I'm about to work with them as well. So really also creating this community aspect to it is really, really important to me. Um, so really starting there, really focusing on content creation. It's important to me that people have access to that kind of information um, and really have uh, information from somebody who has experience someone who is actually still doing it as well it's not like it's not, i'm not taking information from 2015 and 2016 and then presenting it to you it's something i still actively do and get paid for so that's important to me uh, and also you don't really see a lot of that which is unfortunate i hope that we become more transparent and really you know teach each other how to do these things because i i think us all winning together is much more fun and worthwhile um secondly of course pitch please is going you know you know the course is going to continue with pitch. Please, we're re- we've really evolved it, and I'm really excited about it because, um, not only do I teach you how to pitch, we do kind of cover the groundwork for how to position yourselves and stuff like that, and prep your content, um, in a way where when you pitch, you can kind of point the brand to things that make you look uh, desirable to work with. But then also, how to shape a pitch, how to how to say things in email, you when you hop on the phone with them, how to essentially, you know operate and correspond in that because I think that's for a lot of people, they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I get it. You know, not only do you not know what to say, being on the phone with a brand can kind of be intimidating. And then talking about money is usually uncomfortable for most people. So knowing how to do all of that is a is an art itself and we talk about that in Pitch Please. But then lastly in Pitch Please, the, the new last module that I've created is really what does a partnership look like from top to bottom? Because I think that's a whole nother aspect. A pitch is separate from a partnership, and so like once you sign the contract, what are the next steps? You know, um, how should you be executing the partnership to make sure it's a success? So inevitably, you can kind of rinse and repeat this process, and and hopefully uh, create something with. For this brand that makes them want to hire you again then at that that next level for me with teaching is the accelerator and this is going to be for my more serious people you know um, where we really get to dive deep and talk about how to make this a business again those are processes of course you know things that were taught in pitch please will be reintroduced and implemented in here as well but to me the real thing is like creating your business systems right so what kind of bank accounts you should have in place i'm also talking about things like you know you know, taxes and all of that, you know, really the, the the quote unquote, not so glamorous business things. But on top of that, really now how to set these income goals. You know what I mean? Like if you want to make 15,000, what does that look like? How often do you need to be pitching? What, how much money should you be asking for? And really what people don't realize is it's building those relationships. When people like you, they'll pay you. But are you building relationships for people to like you? Or are you just like randomly cold emailing people and hoping they respond to you? And we really talk about that relationship building and how you create this like very um, successful ingoing and outgoing pitch system so if brands pitch you you can say yes to this or no to this and also you you start saying yes and no based off of things based off of who you want to work with um, are they contributing to you building your authority that you want to be associated with you know what I mean like if your focus is beauty but somebody's reaching to you out about promoting batteries and it's lower than the rate you usually you know, ask for, then you know that's a no, while somebody who is a household name, brand, beauty brand, and you want to be an authority in beauty, you know, to say yes to that. So it's those little things that we talk about as well, and essentially what these systems should look like, you know, behind the scenes, you know, spreadsheets, you know, uh, not only for the income uh, generation planning, but also what your pitch process should look like, what you can automate, what you definitely need to be handling in real time and handling yourself that you shouldn't necessarily be delegating, and what that looks like um, in the whole scope of a year, because to me, that 12 months process is really important because you've got to think about things like taxes. you got to think about things like income goals. You also need to think about things like if you do have a team member or a small team like myself, where there's three or four other people working on your business uh, as an influencer and really now looking, instead of just looking at yourself as this influencer who creates content, really essentially you, you are creating this content company and what that means for the different uh, channels that you use. You know, for somebody who does YouTube, that's going to look different than somebody whose focus is really Instagram and their blog, or maybe their focus is really like Twitter and TikTok. And so that is really important to make sure you understand um, in detail. And that's what the accelerator is going to focus on. Because again, getting you know me teaching you how to pitch may teach you how to get twenty five hundred dollars thirty five hundred dollars you know here and there but the accelerator is going to teach you how to like you know get that 15 to twenty five thousand or however much you want to make on a regular basis depending on how much effort and time you want to put into it now i know you don't
1: want to be overly dependent on waiting for a brand to pay you right so what are your revenue streams these days and and you um, notice you said you're only launching that twice. So do the courses play a large part of that? How do you break up your revenue streams?
0: Yeah. So this year we're being really strategic because it's like essentially, you know, my, my husband gut punched me one day. He's like, what happens when you're not hot no more? You know, and, you know I'm like, well, you know, valid question, you know, I, you know. I'm not saying that when I turn 40, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to be so above, you know, making sponsored content. But it's like, yeah, you know, what happens if you don't necessarily want to, one the industry changes all the time you know what happens if you don't want to do this anymore your kids get older you know things like that you might not want to put as much time into that for me i'm really blessed because i've been creating courses and master classes for the last five years and that has always brought me in a really great money um i've been making high five figures and even six figures from um, that stream of income so that's always a blessing the last two years though most of my money like last year i think I think in 2019, 82% of my income was brand partnerships. And so for me, it, it definitely has become a lot more lucrative. But for me, I definitely want to scale that back. I'm really looking to make maybe closer to 35 to 40% of my income being, you know, courses or informational offers, you know, so whether it's my membership, but you know, my community membership, like I mentioned, um, pitch, please, or even the accelerator. So for me, the accelerator doing it a couple of times a year. It's six weeks, you know, it's a six-week program. Pitch Please is pretty much self-paced. So, you know, when you when I launch it, when once you get in, you're in. Um, and then the, the membership will be pretty evergreen, you know, and we will open up the list every month. So for me, those are going to be three streams of income that'll really kind of, you know, make a difference. And I've never run a membership. I've never done an accelerator at this level before. So that that'll be interesting. Um, I also have affiliate links, you know, whether it's Amazon reward style or even like the, the programs and software that I use, like, convert kit or whatever have you. I think for me affiliate marketing has been something that's always been there, but I actually don't really maximize and I realize that with the size of my audience and actually how engaged and locked in I am with my audience, it is a missed opportunity. So really just kind of focusing on that to me it would be great if I could even get like ten percent of that of like of my income to even be that, you know, it's just something that I've underutilized and just want to see if if that's something that I'm one, you know, good at and I can do and and if that actually does make a difference when i mention things to to my audience they they respond to it so can I now position links to kind of help me benefit from that? Um, And then lastly, you know, um, in like 2017, I had, you know, shirts and mugs and stuff like that. Physical product is always something that I wanted to get into. And so we're actually working on something a little bit different. The mugs are coming back since I, you know, do the Instagram story of my coffee mug every single morning. So it's like inevitably, you know, selling some coffee mugs works, you know, with like just like my two little, I guess I would say my unofficial themes of life which is Slay Your Day and David Your Goliath those are like my <laughs> themes I say it in my podcast all the time so we'll, we'll be yeah, back yeah. to selling those because people have asked and I think I've, I've kind of just been like oh people aren't really interested and it turns out they are um, and then we're working on like another physical product I'm actually going to be collaborating with my husband on it and it's something that I'm really excited about I, I actually cannot believe it doesn't exist already um, but that'll be like my first real push at a physical like custom made product to my audience and seeing you know how to pivot in that capacity but physical product is something that I've always wanted to get into um, and will continue to expound on in like 2021 and beyond but I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I I think essentially that is where you know the next 10 years of Maddie James as a brand will evolve you know like I think I've really done a good job this first decade with uh, you know content and I think that'll Definitely continue, but it'll evolve and pivot as I can, you know, as I now start to offer products. Awesome.
1: I am very excited for all of this. And yes, getting back to the products, I think will be so great for you. I loved when you had those um, items of merch. Um, So before we get into the lightning round, I'd love to know. If you had a chance to start the business and brand of Maddie dot com all over again from side hustle to now full time entrepreneur, what would you do differently? Focus on video.
0: Mm. Hands down. I would I yeah. would have been all up and through YouTube. I'm not like, awesome on video. That... It, I mean, oh, I just see that growing in no time. <laughs> okay. That's sweet. Yeah. I Yeah. And 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 I think that's really what it is. I think that, and, and it's not from a place of ego. I just am really good on video. I've always wanted to be on TV. So I think being in front of a camera has always naturally come to me. And then I've just kind of always been in the research of content creation. And I'm just thinking like, man, the 10 years that I've put into being a blogger and influencer, had I put into kind of focusing more on video content, it, it just would have been wildly different. Just because people would rather watch than read. And that doesn't mean that if you have a, you know, text-based blog, you shouldn't do that. But I just think that things would have been different. Mm-hmm. I don't have any regrets or anything like that. Like I said, I think that's really for me in the content sense for my brand, that's what this, you know, next 10 years is all about. It's just like really like killing in a video. And that's why I was like, I I feel so excited because I'm like literally like I'm, you know, just excited to dive headfirst into that.
1: Yes. And, you know, the one thing about that, though, it's like, I think that sometimes we all look back and we're like, oh, I should focus on this channel or that channel. But there's something to be said for doing something really well with excellence for a long time, getting that to a good place and then switching over rather than being out here trying to do it all. Like people tell me, should I launch my podcast, you know, on all the platforms plus do YouTube? And I'm like. Are you planning to just post your audio with a picture of your logo on YouTube? Cause if that's the case, you can <laughs> then save yes, it. Have at it. <laughs> you, you can save it. Okay. Wait until you can actually dedicate resources to make videos that are engaging. And, right. and, you know, oftentimes we don't have the bandwidth to do both, especially right. when we're side hustling. So,
0: oh, my gosh. Yeah. Especially when you're side hustling. You yeah. know, I, I think it's important to say that, you know, I, I think that's a really, really great point. Don't spread yourself out too thin. Like I said, if I could do it differently, that's what I would do. But I have no regrets. I like right. again, I cannot even believe that this is my life and I get to live it that. I essentially get paid to be myself. So Mm -hmm. it's this is wild to me, you know, that this is, you know, my career. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I I think it is about doing things with excellence and doing things and putting things out that you're going to be proud of, not just now, but 10 years from now, you can look back and say, you know what, I really did that. And I feel that way exactly about, you know, my content. Mm -hmm. And I know
1: I said where I was going to jump into lightning round, Mm -hmm. but I just thought I cannot, you know have this interview, end without touching on this, I can't believe we forgot to, but as a, a mompreneur and someone who is a, you know, mom shiro in my head, I'm curious to know, <laughs> not the cliche, oh, how do you do it all? But, but I, I, <laughs> I think you have really great systems from what I've seen, you know, from an observer outside looking in, and things like even being able to take this interview during the day and like not a peep going on in the background how are you doing this how are you managing your children and being an entrepreneur
0: (laughs) well my son is a saint so that's the first thing no um you know i have a seven and a half week old he's currently sleeping and so i I think and my other two children my daughters they're five and two they go to school during the day monday through friday so that's first and foremost it's not like i have three children at home and i'm just like flawlessly doing it all very much so happily pay for school childcare and if you have the means to do it by all means ju- you know take advantage of that um But for me, like I knew that we were going to chat around, you know, one. So I was like, okay, how do I pace out his eating schedule so I know that he's nice and full? He's changed. We've cuddled. We've spent some time together, which that's all that newborns really want. And then I can I know I can usually get a long nap out of him, one long nap out of him during the day. And so I was like, okay, how do I kind of position him to do that and not do it too early to where he's waking up in the middle of this interview? Um. And honestly, I think that's just knowing your children, too. Right. So um, if it was like, you know, my oldest daughter, I would have done something differently. Obviously, she's five, so she doesn't need that. So I would have probably just like, you know, pushed her screen time until this point. You know, she usually gets about an hour of screen time a day. So I would have been like, have at it. while I'm it. <laughs> um, But yeah, it really is about process and systems like um, yeah, like, you know, they were off from school last week. So last week was definitely intense. You just had a lot of moving parts around. We had lots of fun, but it's lots of work. And, you know, they went back to school today. So, you know, last night prepped everybody's lunch. Um, you know, for me, just the kitchen being clean because our house is open concept, like, you know, making sure the kitchen is clean. So when I, you come downstairs, you can kind of operate out of order and not chaos um, it is always a big thing. Making sure me and Hubs are on the same page. He's just so incredibly hands-on and I, you know, I'm really, really fortunate. My partner's really, really hands-on, really, really involved. Um, And it's still a lot of work because, you know, we, we used to be, um, you know, we weren't outnumbered before, right? We were playing man, man <laughs> right, to man and right. now we're playing zone coverage. So, um, he usually will get the girls ready in school while I feed the baby. And then when he leaves for work, we leave and I take them to school. So you just figure it out, you know? Yeah. And the thing is you don't get used to anything cause as soon as you get used to it, then like, you know, your newborn is now a toddler and the toddler is now in, uh, you know, in elementary school and the elementary schooler is now in middle school. So it's just, it's always changed. So you, you really can never get comfortable, which I think is such a Really great thing, you know. I think having children instills that lesson into you for sure. Um, and for me, I just have a system for everything. Like when I get off of this interview, I'm going to go ahead and prep dinner because you know my husband will work late tonight, so I want to have dinner ready. So once I pick up the girls from school, I don't have to come back and try to you know juggle them like trying to figure out what to do after school snack and stuff like that. It's like it's already prepped. Anything you can do to prep ahead of time, including your decisions is going to help you so, so much because for me, because I'm a creative, I do need that bandwidth to be creative during the day, especially because I really only have usually about like that five to six hours during the day. I don't have a typical eight hour day because my kids are still so small. And I work from home, but yeah, anything to make decisions ahead of time. So those small, small, small little decisions, like what to wear, what to eat, um, where to go, you know, what needs to be picked up. Those needs to be, those need to be captured, written down, whether it's in your Google calendar, your notes app, you know, your, your, you know, your physical planner, if you're somebody who works better, you know, in the analog sense. Um, but anything I can do to just kind of make decisions ahead of time, especially those small decisions, help me keep my brain power and my bandwidth for my creativity during the day so you anything, right? Like I already knew what my day looked like when I went to bed last night. Mm. Tonight, I know what my day looks like for tomorrow and so forth. And those little things just, you know, really make a big difference from what I'm going to wear to what they're going to wear. And even making sure like little things like that I can make sure I can help my husband with like where his AirPods are. So in the morning we're not all going crazy. Is so, so huge. Like <laughs> you, you cannot prevent the chaos but anything that you can control for the most part, try yes. to. And a yes. lot Of times, it's just those decisions. Uh, Thank you for that, and that's funny because my husband
1: can never find his earphones in the morning either when he's getting ready to leave. It's It's like we go, did we do this? Oh my gosh everything right whether it's his glasses right his glasses his wallet right you know and
0: and chris is great you know everybody knows you know he's he's usually on my stories and stuff like that and he's really great but like you know we have mornings where it's like he's looked for his glasses for 10 minutes and it's like (laughs) (laughs) this could have been avoided had we just prepped the night before um so yeah just things like that you know know. they do make a big difference yeah all right
1: so, here we are now. It's time for the lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Speed is of the essence. You ready? Yes. All right. Number 1, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
0: Um, I think InstaStyle by Tezza. The book was really helpful um, for me to create content on Instagram. So, if you you know, your Instagram aesthetic is important to you and you're especially if you're focused on like that, you know, pretty lifestyle and, you know, personal style and beauty kind of stuff that really helped me to just really understand how to a- approach Instagram a lot more creatively and and in a more streamlined way was was really, really helpful. I really liked it. Um, I got it off of Amazon. So it was really easy to kind of get through. You don't have to overthink it. She kind of breaks it down really cut and dry in there.
1: Oh, okay. Number two, um, well, speaking of books, what has been another business book that you've applied to your business? Um,
0: I would say, too, I think um, I love Atomic Habits because I I just I'm obsessed with productivity and in being consistent. And that was really, really helpful. And I also really enjoyed and loved Profit First. It really helped me understand and look at my money differently from a business standpoint, because at first I was just like, OK, you know, let me just set aside this for taxes. And then, you know, then I can spend my money any way I want. And <laughs> Profit First really got me together very immediately. And okay. so I like that.
1: Number three, what is a non negotiable part of your daily routine? Prayer, making up my bed, and coffee. All right. Number four, what is a personal habit that helped
0: you significantly back in the side hustling days? Waking up early. Those 5 a.m. wake ups is. I think somebody, one of my followers said it to me, I think like last month, they're like, you're reaping the benefits of those 5 a.m. mornings that you would like post and stuff like that. And I was like, you're absolutely right. Those were seeds sown and I'm starting to, I'm, you know, I'm seeing the fruit of those. So waking up early, it's just unmatched. the The uninterrupted time is unmatched.
1: Mm. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck?
0: Um honor yourself and do what you say you're going to do. You know, I think a lot of times we have that fear when we do not consistently honor ourselves. So I think the reason why those 5 a.m. mornings were so great was because that was a way I was able to personally honor myself, you know, and, and, and not just hold myself accountable, but do what I said I was going to do to, for myself. That's to me, that's a reflection of self-love and it's a reflection of discipline. So yes, losing, quote unquote, a good paycheck, you know, a steady paycheck is is scary. But if you do what you say you're going to do, you have more than enough to not only make that paycheck up, but blow it out the water with that idea or that side hustle that is really, you know, essentially your your business and could be a blessing to others. Amen. So where can people connect with you after this episode? You can check out my blog at maddijames.com slash blog, and you can connect with me anywhere on social, like literally everywhere at the Maddie James. So Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, all of that at the Maddie James on all social platforms.
1: And there you have it, you guys.